Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome to the Writer's Routine Podcast. Yes, my name is Dan Simpson. Hello. Every week on the show, we chat to an author about their work day to learn whether a daily ritual actually helps with your creativity. Now, this week, our guest is the broadcaster, Simon Mayo. He's had four books published, so he'll have loads of tips and tricks about the art of plotting and planning. We'll talk about his writing space in the shed in his back garden. (laughs) We'll find out why he only started writing his first book to give his son something to read. And also who he actually aims his books at. It says 10 plus on the book, but really I was writing for myself. I'm fairly childlike, really. And when I did the YA book, when I wrote Blame, that was pretty much for myself. And this adult book I'm writing now is pretty much for my... You know, you write a book you think you're going to be interested in. uh, And I'm interested in the subjects that I write about. Stay there. It's all on the way on this week's Writer's Routine. Thank you so much for downloading uh, another episode of Writer's Routine. Uh, Before we get into it, very quickly, I want to say a massive thanks if you've been on our website at all. It's writersroutine.com. Maybe you've given us a follow on Instagram and Twitter as well, because the thing is, I'm looking at loads of different ways that I can keep getting the best stuff from writers, the things that they tell me, to you in the quickest possible way. And those are just some of the ways that you can get involved. The best way, though, is by subscribing to the podcast on whichever podcast provider uh, you prefer. So then the episodes uh, will get automatically delivered to you uh, every Friday. Fingers crossed. That's if I, I get my act together and stop getting really distracted by that TV channel. You've seen it that shows Christmas movies all day, every day. Yeah, that's a thing. And look, I'm getting distracted now. I've lost my train of thought. Oh, that's it. Now, if your preferential podcast provider is iTunes, may I suggest uh, you take a few minutes to let other iTunes fans know just how much you're loving the show. It's dead easy. So simple for you to do that as well. Just leave writer's routine a review. Now, five stars would help. You can tell us what you think. Uh, some Nice words would be lovely, uh, and that will help writers' routine move up the charts. Then we can get more people involved. So I'd really love it if you did take the time, just two minutes out of your day, uh, less than that, to leave writers' routine a review on iTunes. Now, our guest on this week's writers' routine is Simon Mayo. Mayo, Simon Mayo. He's on the radio and he writes some books too. That's for the um, 
the, the Radio 2 Drive Time fans uh, among us. Because that's what he does. He presents the Drive Time show on one of the world's biggest radio stations. That's BBC Radio 2 here in the UK. He's also one half of Kermode and Mayo's film review on BBC Radio 5 Live. This is otherwise known as Wittertainment. So hello to Jason Isaacs. And that is like the president of, of podcasts. It won the audience vote uh, at the British Podcast Awards earlier on in this year, 2017. That's kind of the only one that really matters, isn't it? Because it's, it's voted on by your listeners. And he's had four books published. Three are about Itchingham Loft. Uh, Itch is a teenage boy who is an element hunter. And he travels around conducting science experiments to search for elements, old elements, new elements as well. Uh, that trilogy, you've got Itch, you've got Itch Rocks and Itch Craft. And we'll talk about why he came to write the books, how he made sure the science was accurate, and why really... It was all about giving his son something to do. Uh, He's also published a YA, young adult book. It's called Blame. It's all about being punished for the crimes of your relatives. So we'll chat about where those different ideas came from as well. How the writing voice is different to his radio one. Because, you know, the idea that he's constantly creating content and telling stories on the radio every single day. It's interesting to me when you compare that with how he writes books. For our Distinguished Diaries today, uh, we'll have a look at the weird and wonderful writing routine of the author of one of the most famous poems in history. It's 10,000 lines long uh, and it inspired Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials. So that's on the way in just a sec. First, the meat of the show. Part one of my chat with Simon Mayo. And we start with more about what happened when he first started writing because he decided that he needed a quiet space to work in and call his own... So he brought a shed. I have three kids and they've all come back home. So the house is full. So there's nowhere else. So uh, I had to have somewhere that was only mine. That was ex- There's no reason for anybody to be there other than me. So it consists of a bare room with Wi-Fi and a desk. That's it. There is nothing else there. You've allowed yourself Wi-Fi, though. Yeah, well, it, I, I think it's kind of essential if, you, if you're researching a story or you just want to procrastinate, you have to have Wi-Fi. I mean, I can turn it off. In fact, sometimes it's a bit rubbish, the Wi-Fi, so it turns itself off. But that's essentially all it does. I suppose I could put a sleeping bag on the floor and sleep there if I wanted to. But it's basically a single-use space. So. Now, all the jobs that you do um, are creative by nature. Talk me through an average day from the moment you wake up to the moment you call it a night when you are... There isn't. There absolutely, there absolutely isn't. When one. you are writing and you are, you're doing your drive show on Radio no, 2. No, I mean, there really isn't. I mean, I wish there was. If there was a routine, then I would get more done. But every day is so different for... Uh, for either uh, meetings or films that I have to see or movie people to interview... Um, Research to be done, you know, watching a DVD, watching a, a couple of film shows for uh, for drive time. You know, there's so there's so many different things that get in the way that there that there isn't there isn't a regular routine. It used to be I used to try and write as close as I could to a thousand words every morning, uh, six days a week, and then come in to work. And that worked for a while, but then as life got more and more complicated, that became more and more difficult. So everything is more scattered. Everything is more difficult uh, to carve out um, 
a good couple of hours, two or three hours a day is increasingly difficult. So sometimes I've been writing in the evening when I get home from work. Sometimes I write first thing in the morning. Sometimes I write from five o'clock in the morning. A couple of years I've written on Christmas Day. You know, you just have to grab some time wherever it is. So I wish there was some kind of routine because I like routine, but it's it just doesn't work out like that. Do you find uh, you need some constant while you are writing sporadically around the day just to help you out so you can get into the right frame of mind? No, I mean, I, again, I wish I wish that there was, but there, but there isn't. I mean, I can. I also I have um I have a, an iPad which I, a, a big one, <clears throat> so I can go to coffee shops. It depends what stage I'm at, really, in the writing process. If I'm just getting going, I have to be on my own, and I would have to be probably in my shed. But if um, if there are bits and pieces, some tidying up to be done, or uh, I'm more comfortable with the piece that I'm trying to improve. I could do that anywhere. So I'm not quite as precious as I used to be. But I think I have to have the door shut and I have to be on my own if if it's a uh, if, if if you're right in the middle of the book, right the middle third is where most of the heavy lifting is done. And there's no way you can do that anywhere else other than your writing place with no distraction. Because if, if you don't concentrate on that, you're not going to get it right. And then you're going to have to go back and change it and everything's going to take like six years too long. You make your living surrounded by stories. If that's uh, on your drive show with confessions, with talking to an audience, if that's reviewing books, if that's watching films. Why did you want to write one of your own? I, I never intended to. It was I sort of fell into it, really. Um, my youngest son was 10, and he came back from school only interested in science. It's the only thing that he was interested in. Uh, and I tried, to, I tried to find him a story that I thought he'd be interested in and didn't do very well. I just moved from five live to two. So I had a bit more time on my hands because playing records is obviously just a part-time job. So I'd also stopped writing a newspaper column. So I did have some time and I thought, well, why don't I write a story? But the key, that might just have gone nowhere. But then I came across this phrase, element hunter, used to describe someone who collects the periodic table. And I thought, who wouldn't want to be an element hunter? What a fantastic thing to be. So it was basically an idea that hooked me in. I had the time and the space, but it was the idea that made me think, wow, someone else must have done Surely someone else has done that before me and then discovered that no one had. So it was really that. And I just thought, OK, well, why don't I give it a shot? So how did you give it a shot? How are you expanding on this? You've got your idea, the two mm -hmm. words, element hunter. element hunter. How are you then forcing through the, the, the story? Well, it was, it's a com it was a combination of the Element Hunter idea and a name. And many years ago, I mean, it's a long time before I actually started writing the story, I was being shown round a beautiful old church in Suffolk. And on the wall of the church, like as in lots of ancient buildings, there was a list of the people who had been in charge there in through the years. And this church went back to like the 13th century. And in the 17th century, middle of the 17th century, this church in Blythborough in Suffolk had had a vicar called Itchingham Loft. And the, and the vicar who came after him was called Nathaniel Flowerdew. And I looked at those names and thought, wow, they're fantastic names. I took a photograph of the board and I thought, you know, who knows when that's going to come into <laughs> to come come into play in some way. And then when 
I just remembered this photograph. So uh, I had the idea of an element hunter and then I remembered Itchingham Loft and Nathaniel Flowerdew. Thought, well, they sound like great characters and Itchingham, if he was around now, would definitely be called Itch. No one would call him Itchingham. So I thought, well, I've got my main... That that would be a great name for... A memorable name for a character. Let's go with Itch and Nathaniel Flowerdew will make him the bad guy. Uh, and we were up and running and it emer- it sort of emerged. I hadn't really worked out what I was going to do. I just started and uh, and we were off. And at what point did that become a trilogy? When you, midway through the first, did you have an no, idea? No, it, it was just a one-off. It was a one-off story. I was just writing it for Joe. He was my, you know, my son. And it was a standalone. I just printed it off and handed it to him and said, I've written this book. Tell me what you think. So, and he enjoyed it. Then I found a, an agent. Then the agent found a publisher. And the publisher said, it's a two-book deal. So I, I then I went, oh, OK, but this story's finished. So I better make it less finished than it was. So I went back and altered it so that there were still some unanswered questions. And then, the, then I realised that the two could become three and people expect three, really. Right, we're back with more from Simon Mayo in just a sec, where we'll talk about what he specifically did not want to write. Uh, remember, if you want to keep track of... of all the authors that I'm interviewing, uh, if you want to hear old episodes, if you want to get little clips of the best parts of our shows, you can find them on the website. It's writersroutine.com. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, at writersroutine on there, and also on Twitter as at writerspod. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's time for this week's Distinguished Diaries, then. This is where we have a look at the weird and wonderful writing routine of an author from history. And today we're going way back into that history, to the 1600s, to have a look at John Milton's day. 
Now, John Milton was a, a poet and a civil servant, most famous for his magnum opus poem, uh, Paradise Lost. Uh, this is all about the fall of man, and it is huge. The first version consisted of 10 books with over 10,000 lines of verse in there. And even though it was written, like, what, almost 400 years ago, it's still known as this brutal behemoth uh, of work that you really do need to sit down and tackle uh, if you want to get it done. Paradise Lost, it served as the inspiration as well for Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials. And right now online, you can find essays and essays and theses and whole books dedicated to uncovering all the ideas, the themes and the nuances of of the poem. So yeah, to say it's an important piece of work is kind of like saying J.K. Rowling has made a couple of quid out of the Harry Potter books. Now, the amazing thing is Milton, he was blind for the first 20 years of his life. And it was during this time that he wrote Paradise Lost. He would wake up at four o'clock in the morning uh, and he dedicated the start of his day to contemplation. An aide would join him for the first half hour of this to read aloud from the Bible, then leave and Milton would compose alone in his mind desperately trying to burn into his memory all the lines, the phrases and the ideas that he'd been working on. And then at seven o'clock in the morning, his aide would return and Milton would begin dictation. And here is a fantastic phrase with this. Occasionally the aide would be late and Milton would get angry by this. He would exclaim and complain, saying, I want to be milked. Uh, I'd imagine that was quite an odd thing to hear out of the mouth of one of the 17th century's most revered people in in parliament of the day milton would stop working around noon and he would then simply walk around in the garden for three or four hours in the afternoon i mean it was the 1600s and he was working under a pretty puritanical oliver cromwell at the time so i don't think there was much to do apart from walk outside in the garden alone with the birds and your thoughts really uh, milton's daily diary it's only in here for, for two reasons first how he managed to get Paradise Lost down, uh, out and published so people could see it while he was blind by dictating at all. That kind of shows how dedicated he was to his words. And also, I just love that phrase, he needed to be milked. It shows how urgent and painful it was for him to store up his ideas and how desperate he was to get them out there so people could read them and kind of try and change their lives. Right, let's get back to part two of our chat with Simon Mayo, broadcaster and writer who's had four books of fiction published and he's currently writing a fifth. And we pick things up chatting about his vision for writing about science. The idea was to do a story where the magic was scientific, where the magic was real. So... uh, there was extraordinary stuff that happened, but it wasn't about fairies and it wasn't about spells uh, and it wasn't about any hocus pocus. It was it was for real. That was you know that was the idea that that itch was a was a kid who was only interested in science. He believed in science and he wanted wanted to prove things properly. And he um, particularly in the third book, when things get chaotic for him, he finds his order and his sense of place in the universe through the periodic table. You know, it becomes an iconic thing for him. And I just. Um, I like that idea, really, so I stuck with it. How much responsibility do you feel when you are writing for kids about elements and about science to, to get it right? Well, it absolutely... Well, there's no... If you're writing about science, the science has to be absolutely bang on. Uh, bang being the appropriate word in Itch's case. So I worked with a professor of nuclear physics at Surrey University and I worked with a professor of chemistry at UCL to make sure that 
if if I said it was a green light with a loud explosion, it was a that's what would happen. Uh, it, I would never have got to where I got in that story without uh, those two professors because their work rooted it in real proper science. Now you speak to millions of people every day on the radio, but you're writing for a, an audience of I don't know. Imagine I imagine ten year olds. How? Well, well, I mean, yes. I mean, it says ten plus on the book, but really, I was writing for myself. I'm fairly childlike, really. And when I did the YA book, when I wrote Blame, that was pretty much for myself. And this adult book I'm writing now is pretty much for my. You know, you write a book that you think you're going to be interested in, uh, and I'm interested in the subjects that I write about. So. Uh, anyway, I've preempted your question. But so, how are you changing your voice to make sure the an, an audience is finding it and is enjoying it? Because they are two different voices speaking on the radio and writing. Well, on yeah, paper. I guess so. Well, yeah, when my brother read Itch, the, wrote, when he read the first book, he said it didn't sound like you, which I thought was. Uh, a, you know, a, a compliment because you don't want it to sound like the person on the radio. You want it to just sound like. You know, a great story, you know, a page-turning story. And I was writing for an audience who haven't a clue who I am, which was also quite uh, quite uh, liberating, really. So I, I, I have no idea. You just said, you know, you work out what the idea is for the story. You write dialogue that you hope is believable with characters that you hope people will like. And that's the same principle for what, whoever you're writing for. How much do you think as I say, you telling stories on the radio every day uh, affected the way you told this one because being on the radio with, I don't know, a couple of minutes to play around with, it teaches you to be concise. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think they're, di I think they're different disciplines. Radio is very disposable. So you work on a show, as soon as we've finished it, we work on the next one. As soon as you finish that, you work on the next one. You know, I do six radio shows a week. A book takes... A year and a half to two years and is very it's a very lonely job there's you and an editor basically and that's it so I think I think they're very different skills I mean I think the number of authors that I've spoken to and the number of books I've read will have made an impact in there somewhere but I don't I mean I don't I don't know maybe the radio gives you in, an instinctive feel for what what an audience will tolerate how uh, conscious do you think as you say, reading a lot of books, talking to a lot of authors, watching a lot of average films. Uh, how much did that make you think about what you did not want to write? Well, I never really thought about what I didn't want to write. I only, I only thought... Well, the only thing I... OK, well, I think the only thing I've never wanted to write is I never wanted to write a book about the radio. I don't, I don't believe in the idea of write, write about what you know. I've never been very interested in that. I don't think it would be very interesting. I would be, I'd far rather write about things that I want to know about, which is why I've written about the prison system in Blame or Periodic Table for Itch uh, and now Romeo and Juliet and The War of 1812, which is in the new book. So I've, um, I just find ideas that are exciting and stick to those. Have you learned anything along the way that has made going forward easier for you? So what have you learned since writing the first itch any idiosyncrasies that maybe um, help you write easier as you move on to to the new books I, well i think you get better i think well let's hope you do um i think you get to uh, as you i mean the, the most terrifying thing of the process is when you get the letter from your editor which is like three or four pages of a4 telling you all the reasons why what you've written is terrible that's how what it feels like anyway even if that's not what the intention is uh and i think 
I, th- so I think there are fewer corrections and fewer things that need, need to be changed. But um, I, th- I don't know. If, if anything, uh, you know, I, 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 the same with anything, whether it be a radio a program or whether you're a teacher or whether you're running a shop or whatever it is, you learn all the time and you get better all the time. So that is it for this week's episode. Thank you so much to Simon Mayo. He's an incredibly busy man. So just for him to spare 20 minutes out of his day to chat about the incredibly silly and niche things that I'm interested in uh, was really appreciated. His three itch books and his standalone YA novel, Blame, they're all out now. We've got handy links on our website, writersroutine.com. You can find out more about them there. Also, while you're on our website, uh, you can catch up on all our episodes. You can get in touch with the show as well. And we've got links to all our social pipes on there too. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to Writer's Routine on iTunes as well. Uh, If you can, tell a like-minded bookworm that you know, uh, maybe at work or something, if you think they'll enjoy the show as well. Uh, And also, if you can leave us a review on iTunes, it's a great hand and it will help us move the infamous and extremely dreaded iTunes podcast chart. Now, next week, uh, big guest, we're chatting to Owen King. Owen has just co-written the novel Sleeping Beauties with his dad, Stephen King. That's right. That Stephen King. The horror man who has sold over 350 million books. We'll chat to his son, Owen, next week on The Writer's Routine. Make sure you don't miss it. We'll see you then. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.